Welcome to Oncology Morning Commute, Toxicity, Risk, and the New Generation Treatments for CML. Morning Commute is developed in collaboration with that point of care and projects and knowledge and is part of a continuing medical education series. This independent CME-CE activity is supported by an educational grant from Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. In this podcast, Dr. Gerald Radich and Dr. Michael Morrow return to discuss toxicities with third-generation tyrosine kinase inhibitors. How can these toxicities be mitigated? How can you maximize benefit and minimize risks? Information about the faculty and disclosures can be found at morningcommutepodcast.com forward slash CML5. You can use this link to receive your credit and evaluate this program. The URL can also be accessed in the episode notes. Dr. Radich is professor in the Clinical Research Division of Fred Hutchinson Cancer Center in Seattle. Dr. Morrow is a professor of medicine and leader of the Myeloproliferative Neoplasms Program in the Leukemia Service, Department of Medicine at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York City. I am Candace Hoffman, Managing Editor of Morning Commute. Dr. Radich will begin our discussion. Uh, good morning, Michael. How are you? Very morning. I've, uh, I've decided on my commute to um, be kind of transitioning in from the working at home to working at uh, at work. I'm, I'm doing this the old-fashioned way, so I'm actually walking to work. So I might huff and puff some. Okay, fair enough. It's 23 miles. <laughs> I think that's pretty close to a, a defined distance. Yeah, yeah. But I, but I think I, I, I've got it worked out here so that uh, I think I'll be hit in my office and have time to check the email and get on the bus, come back. So let's, let's get started here. So I, I, I think one of the things we haven't covered yet um, in the world of TKIs is the, the thing you're really expert on um, and the go-to person, and that's on some of the toxicities, especially some of the new TKI agents and this similar. Um So you're good to talk about, I'm not good at all to talk about this because I'm, I, I do a lot of transplantation and toxicities for me means something entirely more gruesome than the toxicity we're talking about here. And I don't often have the uh, capabilities to switch agents and the like to different toxicities or you know, even ameliorate potential toxicities by different agents and the like. So um, this is something that I'm relying on you on. Um, when a patient walks in the door, and we've talked already about you know, the primary thing since they have CML is, is to direct therapy at their disease, but kind of in your constellation of a checklist, if you, if you were to construct the Mike Morrow algorithms of what's highest on your list of potential toxicities and kind of work your way down, what would that look like? If you had to ask one question first to a patient about their non-CML state, what would it be? Oh, God, one question. Um, I'd probably ask them if they ever had a, a heart attack because I think that's the ultimate expression of, of vascular disease. And um, that's probably one of the things we've begun to worry about the most, not just because therapy is potentially accelerating or augmenting that risk. It's just the patients we take care of with CML are at risk. It's the demographic. You have to know your, you know, you know your base, know your population. And it's complicated. You know, and CML itself might have something to do with it. You know, it, it's, it's, an, it's a cancer. You know, it's, it's obviously... Uh, there's inflammation, there's leukocytosis. You know, we've learned a lot about that. But um, the one thing I want to know the most about, or I want the patient to know the most about is like, how's your heart health? And, and I try to throw that into every conversation. Because 
we clearly want the patient to survive the CML. We can do really well there. We don't want to throw out the baby with the bathwater and bring on new vascular disease or new vascular events. That's why they takes it kind of floats to the surface so much. And to be honest with you, it's not that hard to do. Um, it's it needs to be a partnership. I think you know we have to partner with our primary care colleagues, our internists. There's nice new specialties like cardio oncology that are keen to look after our cancer patients with us. One of my favorite stories was a patient sent, a, sent uh, along for primary care in remission with CML who was queuing up for a colonoscopy. And his, his doctor said, well, what, the, what the heck do you want to go up for a colonoscopy for? You got leukemia. And I spun him, I spun him right back around and said, go get that colonoscopy because you know, your CML is doing fine. You know, I don't want to you know, you know, lose lose a, a, a colon cancer, or, you know, beat CML and then get beaten out by a colon polyp. You know, what a way to go. <laughs> so um, I think no matter what the TKI, I think a cardiovascular assessment would be, you know, is, is crucial. And then, but it's a little bit more about making sure the patient stays engaged with their primary care physician and that they're they're in good, they have good general care. Because um, I don't know if we, we don't necessarily have to layer specific interventions on to CML patients. They all need aspirin, they all need blood thinners, they all need lipid lowering therapy. We just have to do what we're supposed to do anyway. And I think we could probably do better if we just did that. Sure, there's probably some specifics and we can get into that, um, you know, drug to drug, but but that's kind of the m- most important point, I so, think. So many of the people listening here will not have access to, you know, cardio-oncology, you know, centers or groups, right? So what do you think the the minimum workup that patients need um, to kind of go forward and, and what would those outcomes be that would push you to one TKI or the other? So it doesn't have to be complicated. You know, honestly, I don't think we have um, the recipe for the tests that are, are the, you know, the magic sauce to tell us which TKI um, event may happen or not happen. Or I don't even know if we have com- really unraveled entirely about what the mechanism of action of these adverse events are. But um, I think to the general physician or to all of us as, as, you know, at the root, we're all just, you know, general docs, you know, and then we specialize, but you just have to think about the patient's basics and, you know, the, the Framingham score, the, uh, the European, you know, uh, cardiovascular risk assessment tools, they're not that complicated. They just ask simple questions about blood sugar, diabetes, hypertension, um, uh, weight, uh, smoking, you know, if you're in the UK, your postal code matters as a risk factor. Um, I'm not sure about the US, um, but so, so I think if we do these basic assessments. Um, we may find that a patient has a, a critical mass of cardiovascular risk, and we may, you know, de-emphasize certain drugs in the frontline setting where there may be more risk. Or, or if we have equal choices or close choices, um, we may choose a, a drug with lower risk. Um, and, and particularly if we know the baseline, you know, when an adverse event. You know, have you triggered something entirely new or have you just seen what was there before just, you know, manifest a little bit? So that's why the other reason the baseline assessments are so important is because if something happens out of the blue in a patient of, you know, 55-year-old now has claudication because they're on CML therapy, did they have some vascular disease before and they just didn't mention it or no one inquired and now it just got a little bit worse or is it completely new? Because that can be a deal breaker. Yeah. So, so for those of you who are listening to us, um, you, you've probably figured out by now that this isn't heavily scripted, or if it is, we're going off script a lot. Um, so I'm, I'm, I, I'm going to uh, spring something on, on Michael here, a little word association game. Uh, and you don't have to play this if you don't want to, but, but the idea is I'm going to give you the name of a TKI, 
and you tell me the first contraindication thought that arises in your mind. Okay. Okay, ready? Ready. Imagine. That's I'm, good. None. I'm th- yeah, I'm thinking too long. I'm thinking too long. <laughs> That's exactly right. I, c- I don't have a contraindication. I, I thought about a bunch of small things that I'd be like, maybe they have inflammatory bowel disease and GI toxicity could be more, you know, difficult. Maybe they had, you know, heart failure and edema could just be that much more difficult. But it's not a contraindication. So yeah, you stumped me on the first one. Another chance. You got another chance here. Ready? Okay. Five points to Satinib. Ah, a little less inclined there too. Um, I'm going to say cardiopulmonary. I'm going to say I'm going to say severe pulmonary disease. Good. That's good enough. I was going to go with pulmonary hypertension, but the chair doesn't give you credit. Um, Okay. (laughs) Nuotinib. Diabetes. Beautiful. Only because I think it's tied to vascular disease, and, and you know, to be honest with you, that's the one thing we know tends to really be kind of intensified by the drug. All the other things are a little bit more speculative, but I think we know that blood sugar control worsens, unfortunately. Yep, yep. The pseudonym. Pseudonym. Ooh, uh, I, again, I say uh, inflammatory bowel disease because because I think there's GI issues with pseudonym. That's yeah, a good. I think that's a, I think that's a, a solid a solid pick. Pneumonia. Active cardiovascular disease, like known CAD. Good. And lastly, a I think I'm back to my manip status now. You know, I think I, I, I probably want to say, let me think about this for five to ten years and get back to you, um, and and see if I learn anything by using. Longer, that's longer than we have on the podcast. I don't know if there's a contraindication. I mean, severe pancreatitis to a previous drug, but I I, I don't think so because I'm not sure that that really always carries over. Yeah. And I think that's a good sign. I think we may have some newer drugs that are, you know good tools in the box that are more potent and cover some tough patients that don't have some of these kind of go-to concerns with toxicity. Great. That was a great, that was a challenge. Thank you. We're doing a video podcast. I'm going to bring the Rorschach ink test for you, Jerry. I'm going to say, what, what, what are you looking Perfect. at? Perfect. So here's, here's another one. Um, people are talking about combo therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Simulative and another TKI, right? And you can decide amongst yourselves whether that makes sense to you or not. Um, but people are talking about it. So one issue is, you know, so David Lederman used to have a skit uh, where you'd say uh, it was called, is this anything, right? He would have some topic and ask Paul, is this anything? So first off, is adding a, a synonym to another TKI, is it anything? I think it is. I just don't think we've uh, dug deep enough. Um, but it, it just makes sense from a scientific and a biologic level. I just don't know if we've kind of put it into action uh, in, in the right way. So then that brings me to the, uh, the, ex- the bonus point question is given the safety profiles of all these things, if you're going to combine it with another drug, what of the other TPIs do you combine it with? If, you, well, if I'm giving you a billion dollars to run the trial. Oh God, that's a lot of money. Um, you know, I think a lot of us are most intrigued by them getting the most potent drugs and combining them and seeing if we can you know, add power to power. So I said, I've been together. I think there's a lot of interest there, but, and then I'll go full circle. I want a two arm trial. I want a simonib for highly resistant patients. And then I want a simonib and a manib for the safest, you know, or maybe a very safe combination. They really might, you know, kind of break the glass ceiling. I'm interested in both ends of the spectrum there, because I think I'd like to not be having to put people on combinations of very, you know, potent drugs for high risk disease. I want to avoid that. You know, I, I hereby grant you the license to perform that two arm trial. 
I might need uh, twice the budget, but um, <laughs> I appreciate the funding. Um, no, I, I think um, I'm, I'm, I'm keen to see, you know, I think we're asking some questions about TFR with combinations of, uh, of drugs, which might be interesting. We clearly have some questions about those really difficult patients because you, you mentioned in an earlier podcast about transplant and CML and what a contrast it is. And I think, you know, still bringing on some of our, our, more, our heavy hitters still beats transplant, you know, in many situations when it comes, not that we haven't had tremendous advance in transplant with GVH prevention and management of complications. It's just tough, especially for our population with CML. It's not an, it's not an easy go-to. So, so I think if we can pull out all the stops with TKIs and maybe come up with a combination of for high-risk patients, that really could be something. Having just spent a month on the transplant service, um, I wish we have made great advances in GVHD and chronic GVHD. Alas, we haven't. So that's all the main reason to keep people on the, these drugs with the CML. So, Michael, we've done five of these things. And for the listeners out there who may have gone through all of them, congratulations. Yes, you have either great endurance or, you know, a, uh, a level of uh, comfort with <laughs> torturing yourself. But, um, Michael, if you had to, to, to wrap up everything in one sentence, I'll give you the chance. Mm. We're still not done in CML. I think that's a very, very fun way of saying it. Well, thanks, Mike, for being on all of these. Thanks to the listeners. Absolutely. Um, Everyone out there, um, good luck. Stay safe and sane. I second that. And uh, Jerry, always great company. And thanks for the sponsorship uh, and the, uh, the listening. Yep. Bye, everyone. Bye. Remember, to receive your credit and evaluate this program, please visit morningcommutepodcast.com forward slash CML5. Look for all of our podcasts on your favorite podcast streaming services or download our Morning Commute app for your iPhone. Thank you for joining us today.